Thank you, Pastor. So honored to be here today. See so many people that known and loved throughout the years. This morning, I want you to go with me to Isaiah 43, 19. It's really uh, about what God is doing in this new decade that we're entering into. We're not just entering into a new year, 2020, but we're entering into a new era in the body of Christ. We have not been this way before. God is doing a new thing, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes about that. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. I'm going to read it from uh, the New King James Version, and then I want to share it from the Passion Translation. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's read it from the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says. I am doing something brand new. Everybody say brand new. Something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. There is a six-letter word that we don't often hear talked about in church settings. It's simply spelled this way, C-H-A-N-G-E. Everybody say that with me, change. I've never understood why we're so resistant often in the body of Christ to change in the church. Perhaps one reason is because Uh, we are resistant to change is because we limit the Holy One of Israel by our past experiences or our, our own limited understanding. Recently, Beth and I, in a time of prayer and in seeking the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, in this season, don't limit me. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. In Psalm 78, verse 41, it says, Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. We must not limit God by our past experiences because God is greater than our past. We must not limit God by our own understanding because Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I believe we must take the limits off of God. Every year I go to the Lord and I seek God for prophetic direction for the coming year. Last year, as I was seeking the Lord for the year 2019, he gave me the simple phrase, GPS. How many of you have a GPS in your car? And as I came up to 95 today from Silver Spring, where I was staying with my daughter, as I came up 95, Siri, and Siri don't understand me, Siri just cannot get a hold of my southern accent. (laughs) But Siri said, as you come up here, Take the exit to the right. On nine, there was no exit to the right. It was just 95 was going right. I thought, that's not an exit. She got that wrong. GPS, Global Positioning Systems. And GPS simply stood for this. G was the goodness of God. How many of you experienced God's goodness last year? Somebody didn't have a house and received a house. That's the goodness of God. Somebody got their heart fine-tuned, didn't have to have a pacemaker. That is the goodness of God. Did anybody experience the goodness of God? As a matter of fact, when I drove up, I saw it right up on the... On the it used to say exit 32B and, and all of that, but now it says God is good. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God revealed His goodness, and He's not finished revealing His goodness in this year. 
The second thing, P, stands for positioned by God. There was a lot of movement in the body of Christ last year. There was a lot of shifting and shaking in the body of Christ. God's just trying to get us in position because God's about to visit us one more time in these last days. God's not finished with visitation. The church's best days is not behind it because the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Can you say amen? Then the last uh, S, GPS, the last was for storms. Last year was stormy. Some of us walked through some storms. I'll say last year was one of the most challenging years that Beth and I have had in ministry, in our whole ministry of 32 years or more. It was a challenging year. It was a stormy year. But I want to tell you the goodness of God and the positioning of God resulted from the storm. Some of you are encountering some storms today, maybe in your health, maybe in your finances, maybe in your emotions, maybe in your family. I don't know where you are today, but God knows where you are. And I've come to tell you that the storm's not going to tear you up, but God's going to use the storm to take you up. The storm is not going to overwhelm you, but in the midst of the storm, God is going to reveal his goodness. We serve a good, good father. If I had to title this year, I would title it, title it as the year of double. The year of double. Now, when I get an ice cream, I don't want a single scoop. I want a double scoop. Why would I call this a year of double? It's 2020. Double. Recently, in a time of prayer, the Lord spoke these words. He said, you will break through. 2020 will be a year of double, double for your trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to have double for my trouble. But we're not just entering a new year, we're entering a new decade. And we're also entering into a new era. Joshua chapter 3 verse 4 says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. We must learn in this season to follow the ark of his presence. We must allow him to lead and direct our footsteps. We must return to being led by the Spirit. Too many in the church today allow the culture to define their values. We surrender to the pressures of our culture and abandon the boundaries of the Word of God. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Romans 6, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That word son is huios in the Greek. It means a place of maturity. You have come to a place of maturity in the things of God. The Holy Spirit has not come to thrill us. He's not come to entertain us or to make us feel good. He has come to manifest Jesus and to make us fall in love with him. I love what David Wilkerson writes, and this is a quote from my book, that the mission and ministry of the Holy Spirit is threefold. Number one, to wean us from the world and to create in us a longing for the soon appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, to convict us of everything that would blemish us. Ephesians 5:27 says that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle nor any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. Number three, to turn our eyes away from everything but Jesus. How do we navigate the days that we live in? How do we enter into this new era? We allow the Lord to direct our footsteps. Psalms 37:23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Now, if you go back and you study the calendar, we are on what's called the Gregorian calendar. We have a solar calendar. But if you go back and you study the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish calendar, that calendar 
We're on the year 5780. How many of you know God has a calendar and God encodes prophetic messages in his calendar? I love to study out the months of the Hebrew calendar and I love to study out the feast and I love to study out the year. So this is the Hebrew year, 5780. This is a new decade. The Hebrew letter for 80 is the letter Pei, P-E-Y. Pei is a picture of the mouth. This last decade was the decade of Ayin, A-Y-I-N, and it was about seeing. This decade is about speaking. Somebody said, well, this is 2020, should be the year of perfect vision, should be, year the, be the year of complete vision. Well, we just finished 10 years, a decade of seeing. Now it's to begin to say what we saw. When I speak, I'm giving expression to what God wants to do in the earth. The Bible says when we're born again, we have to confess with our mouth. So this year, we have to watch over what we say. Pays a picture of the mouth. It's a decade about speaking. This will be a decade to say what needs to be said. So we must testify, prophesy, and decree the word of the Lord. So what are you speaking over your circumstances? What are you declaring over your health today? Recently, the Lord told me, don't be moved by what you see, but be moved by what I say. Isaiah 32, 1, listen to what it says from the Passion Translation. Look, a new era begins. A king will reign in righteousness and his princes according to justice. Dr. Robert Heidler writes, there's a moment when time makes a shift and you gain momentum for your future. We're in a kingdom moment now. We've not just entered a new season, but a new era in the kingdom of God. An era is a fixed point in time from which a series of years is reckoned. An era can also be a memorable or important date or event in the history of a thing, person, or nation. An era is a system of chronological notation computed from a given date as basis. An era is a period identified by some prominent figure or characteristic feature or stage in development. In history, you had the Elizabethan era. And we're entering into, I believe, a new kingdom era. And we're in uncharted territory. We have marched off the map. We're in a pivotal year, even for our nation. How do we enter this new year? How do we enter into this new era and into this new decade? We enter this era in the fear of God and on our knees in prayer. James 5, 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And one key scripture for this year is our text, Isaiah 43, 19. And it's a key scripture for entering into this new era or this new decade. The New Living Translation says this, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. So this is a brand new day. He's doing something unheard of. Listen to the question that he asked in Isaiah 43, 19. He says, do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? There's that 2020. Do you not perceive what God is doing? So what is God revealing for this decade? I recently heard a trusted prophetic voice say this. He said, the weight, W-A-I-T, the weight, W-A-I-T. How many of you like the weight? The weight. 
Some of us have been waiting on the promises of God. Some of us have been standing in faith. Some of us have, have almost gotten to the point where we want to give up on the promises of God because it had been so long. But I've come to tell you the W-A-I-T, the wait is over. But not just the W-A-I-T, but the wait, the W-E-I-G-H-T, the heaviness, the oppression, the, the difficulty, the, the spirit of heaviness that has been around that thing. That wait is over too. It is a brand new day and God is doing a new thing. Can somebody say amen? You see, this is a season to take your mountain. And the Lord has really dealt with me about this little prefix, R-E, re. Re from the dictionary says, a, it is a prefix occurring originally from loan word from Latin, used with the meaning again or again and again to indicate repetition with the meaning of back or backwards to indicate withdrawal or backward motion, regenerate, refurbish. Re simply means to do again. Some years ago, my wife used to sing a song, he'll do it again. I've come to tell you, he'll do it again and again and again and again. So this morning, I want to share some things that I believe God is saying related to this little prefix, re. The first word that I want to give you this morning that God is saying to us as a body of Christ is the word recompense. And I mean over and over since probably about October, the Lord, everywhere we turn, the Lord is speaking to us and giving us this word, recompense, recompense. In times of prayer, the Lord will say, recompense. We'll just see it. We'll hear it. Have you ever noticed when God is highlighting something in your life, you'll start seeing it and hearing it in multiple sources? The Lord began to deal with my wife some years ago. This is her testimony, and you should hear her preach this sermon about hope. And he told her that in the year that our first child passed away, we lost our first child. Many of you know that's that testimony, stillborn. It'd be 26 coming this May. That she said she lost her hope. She just didn't get her hopes up. If something was good, it was good. If something was bad, she dealt with it. But she didn't get her hopes up. And in the midst of all this, God said, it's time for you to get your hopes up. And God started highlighting hope. And for about three years now, every single day, she hears it, sees it. Some way she'll see hope. And one day we were up in Clemson. Y'all heard of Clemson. They just lost to LSU. But she started seeing the word hope. And we were in Clemson one day. And at that time my daughter was a, uh, a student there. And we used to go up and, and take her and whoever else she could find to, to supper. That night she said, I hadn't seen it all day. And I said, well, Lord, maybe this is the time. And she walked into a little coffee shop there called All In. And there on the counter was a little jar that somebody had made for someone that was struggling physically and they were asking you to put change in and across that jar was written hope so she made a picture and sent it to me look hope i saw it today just seeing that word and god has highlighted that and that's become a big part of her ministry and her ministry is called letters of hope today it's become a part of our life that word hope so if god is highlighting something in your life he's saying something to you he's speaking something to you and one of the words that God is highlighting for this season is the word recompense. Now, recompense is about payback. The enemy has to pay us back in the decade of pay. I've just been saying it this way, Lord, I'm going to get my pay in pay. <laughs> and everywhere we turn, we hear and see the word recompense. Last Tuesday evening before we went to bed. Beth said, I asked the Lord to give me a verse to read. And he just simply impressed on her. Go to Isaiah 62, 11. And on her iPad, I guess is where she was at. 
the version that she had turned to on her iPad was the amplified version. Listen to what it says. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes in the person of the Lord. Behold, his reward is with him and his work and recompense before him. Now, what is recompense? Let me tell you what recompense is. Recompense is repayment with indemnification. Recompense as defined as to repay, remunerate, reward as for service, to give or pay compensation for, to make restitution or requital for damage, injury, or the like. Recompense is more than just being repaid. It is repayment with interest. Somebody ought to give God praise there. When I was living here and I lived in Abingdon, Maryland, one day I was there on the whatever road that is, they're coming home from Bel Air, and I was sitting at a, at a red light. That's what you do in Maryland. I lived here 13 years, 10 of them I was stuck in traffic, amen. So I was at this stoplight, and a guy just plowed right in the back of me. I didn't see him coming, I couldn't brace for it, and he hit me and just knocked me forward. He jumped right out, came right up to look, at, he said, man, I'm so sorry, this is my wife's car, just driving it from the shop. Something happened to the brakes, I just could not stop. And he hit me. So I had some physical issues as a result of that accident. So I had to go through therapy. I had to go get x-rays. I had to do all those things. So his insurance company called me. And they would call me pretty regular and say, we want you to sign this paper so that I can get released and we can close this claim. And I wouldn't sign the paper just yet. I said, I want to make sure that everything's good. And I just, you know, trying to be wise, not trying to get anything that I shouldn't get or anything. So finally, the lady called me one day and she said, well, I see you finished your treatments. I see, have you been out of work and did you miss time at work? I said, well, I'm on salary and I never missed any time from work and you don't have to reimburse me for that. She said, but we want to give you something for pain and suffering. I said, oh, I've had a lot of pain <laughs> and I've had a lot of suffering in my life. <clears throat> I might have even broke into song, you know, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. <laughs> but they gave me money for pain and suffering. That's a good definition of recompense. Beginning this year, there's going to be recompense. The enemy's going to have to repay us with interest, and he's even going to have to give you some money for the pain and the suffering that you had to walk through in that season of trial as those storms came upon you in the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but the enemy's stolen some things from my family, and I'm ready to see him repay my family for our losses. And I'm not just going to get back my stuff. I'm getting it back plus interest. Now, what does the Bible say about recompense? Let me give you these real quick and we'll move on. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 35 says, Vengeance is mine and recompense. 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-one: The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. Psalms 18, 20 says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. Isaiah 35, verse 4, Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. In Proverbs eleven thirty-one. 
31, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. In Proverbs 16, 31, it reveals that the thief has to restore sevenfold what was stolen. It's time for somebody in this house today to rise up in faith and declare, I'm going to receive repayment for all the things the enemy stole from me, and I'm going to get it with indemnification. I'm going to have it with interest in the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody, and give God praise. The second thing that God spoke to me is this will be a year that he will reopen doors. What does that mean? I wrote this down, and I said, Lord, I want to research this. I want to find out what this means. Doors that have been closed will reopen this year. In 2017, the Lord instructed me to take a key. I gave my key to my wife. And I, you remember, I came here with keys, gave everybody keys. I took those keys all over the place. I took them to London. I took them to Panama. I got on a, I, I had four guys with me going to Panama, and I gave them all keys. We had about 500 keys. We had these bags of keys. And when I went through the security, the guy said, what in the world is all these keys? I said, look here, I'm a pastor. I'm going on a mission trip. This is a sermon. And I gave him a little synopsis of the sermon. He said, oh, praise the Lord. He said, I just came. There you go. There's a key. This thing has been to Lebanon everywhere it's going to turkey in a few weeks praise god and i took that key and i said here's what i'm doing i'm taking these keys and preaching a message in panama he said oh praise the lord he said i just got back from the dominican republic i'm a believer just bring your keys on through so the lord just got our keys on through the airport i'm telling you when i left panama every kid in panama everybody in that church had a key around their neck the pastor had it around the dash of his car he said it's the key to the kingdom and i mean god used that and on a friday night in panama we had a holy ghost service where god opened the heavens and he broke oppression and an attack that had gone on against that church where a powerful witch had put a death warrant on that pastor and his pastor's family out of Venezuela and they for months had prayed and fasted and sought God and that night we took the key and we unlocked the heavens and the heavens came down and the glory of God invaded that church and I want to tell you something these keys have been something so just uh, last year the Lord spoke to Beth and I he said Go to D.C. and take a key. Take a key and go to D.C. See, I'm simple, so God speaks to me in simple ways. And I took my key, and I went all over D.C. Before I came here, and I prayed, and I unlocked things. My daughter flew up on a Friday, and I picked her up at BWI because she was going to talk to them at Catholic University. She had already been accepted, but they hadn't offered her any money. She said, Daddy, I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got to have that. We took our key and went around D.C. praying. Listen, not only did they offer her a scholarship but they gave her a fellowship the Angleton fellowship they give it out every three years to one student after we unlock what God was doing with that key God provided for my daughter and today she's in Catholic University as a PhD student because God used that key so on this journey I use this key to lock up the past and unlock the promised provision and the unfulfilled prophecies of the past that had not yet been realized I did not realize that the following year would be the year of the door. When I started studying out the Hebrew year, I thought, wow, it's the year of the door. The year before, I'm going along unlocking, unlocking, unlocking. The next year, it's the year of the door. I already had the key in my hand for the door that God was about to open. Doors in Scripture represent the following. Let me move quick because I want to minister to some people this morning. Number one is entrance. Entrance. Genesis 4, 7, if you do well, you will not be, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. Number two is access. Jesus said, I am the door 
of the sheep. He also said, my sheep know my voice. Now notice Jesus is at the door. He's the door. He's the key. And it's access. It's access to the Father. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And then what he says, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pastor. You go down to verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Where's the battle? It's at the door. It's at the door of your breakthrough. It's at the place of your breakthrough. That's where the battle is. Number three, a door represents opportunity. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul says, A door was opened to me in Troas by the Lord. Number four, a door represents revelation, invitation. Revelation 4.1, After these things I looked and I heard a voice like a trumpet, and it was saying, Come up higher. And I felt a door open in heaven. God opened a door in heaven. That is an invitation to come to the throne room of God, to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But that is also a place of revelation and unveiling where God will reveal what he has for you. Some of you are wondering, what does God have for me next? Where is my place? What is God going to do with me? Well, I want to tell you there is a door opened in heaven where God will reveal to you what he has for you in this season. Can somebody give God praise? Number five, a door represents power. Acts 14, 27. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Number six is deliverance. Acts 5, 19. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. You remember Peter? Locked up in prison. In solitary confinement in the maximum security cell because he preached Jesus. He was a threat to that whole religious structure. And they were getting ready to execute him. And the Bible said the church was praying without ceasing. Man, they was having a prayer meeting. I believe it was a Pentecostal prayer meeting. Man, they was praying loud. They were serious. They were travailing before God. They were walking around praying. And the Bible said Peter was asleep. Now listen, if I was facing execution tomorrow, I might not be asleep. But Peter had perfect peace. And the church was praying. And an angel came into that prison, walked right through those steel doors. And when Peter came to himself, he's standing out on the street outside the prison. And he went to the church and knocked on the door of the church. And they wouldn't let him in. They said, you can't be Peter. You're in prison and we're in here praying. Tells me they weren't praying with a lot of faith. But God honored their prayers. Come on, somebody. And God will open a door for you even if it's in prison and bring you out. I've come to tell you, he's a God of deliverance. And the last thing a door represents is protection. Is this okay? Amen. Protection. Exodus 12, 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two board posts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Put the blood of Jesus on your door. Hallelujah. There's power in the blood. There's protection in the blood. A door represents the protection of God. So what does it mean that God is reopening doors? Well, what about that promotion or increase you were promised, but something happened and you didn't receive it? You knew that job was yours. You prayed about it. You knew in your heart that was supposed to be my position. But something happened. Politics got in it. They gave it to the, the boss's nephew. And you were robbed of that promotion. God's going to reopen a door for you this year. What about that promised opportunity? Perhaps the enemy hindered the door you knew was from the Lord from opening. This is a year of reopening doors. Revelation 3.8, I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. Lift your right hand and say, Lord, I'm ready for my door to reopen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third word the Lord spoke to me this year, and it starts with re, is relationships. Relationships. How many of you know the kingdom functions on relationships? That's why we need to come to church. That's why they were talking about it this weekend in a conference. They said people go to Bedside Baptist. 
I thought, what in the world is Bedside Baptist? Said they watch it on Facebook Live while they're in the bed. <laughs> the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We need one another to encourage one another, to help one another, to pray for one another. You won't get that at Bedside Baptist. There are key relationships God's placing on your path this year. And the Lord specifically spoke to me about new and renewed relationships this year. This Several months ago, I was praying, and I, I just happened up on Facebook, and I saw this conference. And the Lord said, you need to be at that conference. I said, well, Lord, i got so many things to do, and January is not the time to come to Maryland. It might be snowing. And I know it's not your will for me to be cold. So he just sent cold weather to South Carolina. So this weekend, two relationships got renewed. I got reconnected. Renewed relationships. Watch God reconnect you to relationships from your past this year. Elements of your past are going to meet your future. There will also be new key relationships who will become what we call destiny helpers. I pray for a butler. Remember when Joseph was in prison? The butler came. He interpreted his dream. He got restored to Pharaoh. It was that butler who later opened the door for Joseph to Pharaoh and Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. I pray for a butler to come that will open a door to your Pharaoh. I pray for a Boaz. Remember Ruth? She's a Moabitess. She's not an Israelite. She had to be proselytized into the Judaism. But Boaz advocated for Ruth. And Boaz married Ruth. And Jesus came from the lineage of Boaz and Ruth. I pray for a Boaz to advocate for me. You feel like God has something for you? You feel like God's leading? Start praying for God to raise up destiny helpers. People who advocate for you. People who will speak for you. Have you ever heard this phrase? It's not what you know. It's who you know. Well, you know somebody today. His name is Jesus. Reopen doors will come through a relationship God strategically places on your path. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? This is a year of relationships. Watch those relationships. Watch those destiny helpers that come into your life. Watch that supervisor that takes an interest for you and says, I see potential in you. I see something in you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to work with you. That particular person is going to be the relationship that opens the door for your promotion or for the place that God has for you. So get ready and watch those relationships. Number four, and this is a big one, there's a removal of reproaches this year. I wish I could just preach this. If you study the life of Joshua, there are three stops in the life of Joshua. The first is Jericho. Jericho was walled up to the heavens. I've been to Jericho. That was the first stop into the promised land where they had to defeat the Jericho. The second place they went to was a place called Gilgal. The third was a place called Shechem. Jericho and Shechem were bookends in Joshua's life. But they came to a place called Gilgal. Gilgal means to roll away. Joshua 4.19 says, Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 5, verse 2 and 4, Joshua made flint knives, and he circumcised the sons of Israel who had never been circumcised in the wilderness. Now think about this. He turned his back on his enemies, and he incapacitated 
his armies. God required him to do this. Sometimes God will require you to lay down your weapons and to incapacitate you in the presence of your enemies because God is going to fight your battle for you. And he told them, sanctify yourself for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. In verse 9, after all the Jewish men had been circumcised, we learned the results. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. I want you to see this. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. What was the reproach of Egypt? The children of Israel were on the stage of the nations. They were making fun of them that they were slaves in Egypt. If God is so good, if the God you serve is great, how can a great God allow you to be slaves? A reproach is the wagging of the tongue of the enemy. And he'll say this, there's an inconsistency between your testimony and your predicament. I'm testifying that God is good, but I'm dealing with sickness in my body. I'm testifying that God is my healer, yet I have sickness in my body. I'm testifying that God is my source and my supply, yet I'm battling a financial issue in my life. You see, a reproach is when your promise does not meet up with your circumstance. And he said, now I'm going to roll away the reproach. Their testimony rises up that they serve a mighty God. They serve a mighty God. Yet, how can you testify how great God is when your circumstances are not what they should be? I like what Ron Carpenter Jr. said. He said, I was broke, but I didn't think I was supposed to be. I was sick, but I didn't think I was supposed to be. I had trouble from the enemy, but I didn't think I was supposed to. You see, the Bible said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It didn't say the enemy wouldn't come against you, but it said the enemy cannot cause that weapon to prosper because you're a child of the king. And sometimes when I'm believing God for a certain thing, the very opposite of what God has promised me is what I'm experiencing. And the enemy will come and say, if God said that, how can, you, how can you be in this place? If God really said that, why are you in this place that you're in? You haven't seen the realization of what God promised you. Did God really say that? And I mean, he comes to so doubt. That is the reproach of Egypt. But I've come to tell you that in 2020, beginning this year and throughout this, God is about to re-roll the reproach of Egypt off of us. God is about to roll the reproach of the past off of us. God is about to embalm the past. God is about to put the past behind us. God is about to do something new. I believe we're coming into a time of a divine reset. When your pastor first became youth pastor here at this church, he was walking around with a MacBook under his arm. And I needed a new computer. And he come along and he convinced me to buy a MacBook. And I went to the Apple store in Towson. And I bought a white 2008 MacBook, weighed about 30 pounds, carried it all over the place, thought it was portable, nothing like today. From that time on, I've been stuck. I have an iPhone, an iPad, an Apple Watch, an iMac, I, I'm all Apple. And now I'm probably more fervent about it than he was then. Our church is not apostolic, but it's apple-stolic. Come on, somebody. And ever so often, this technology don't work. I updated the, the software on this watch and it wouldn't work. I mean, it would not work. I blamed it on Apple and their buggy software. But the truth is, some bug got in there. You know what I had to do? I had to take it through what's called a hard reset. Sometimes when your phone don't work and you call 1-800, whatever it is, Apple, and that technician, they said, have you tried resetting it? 
But what they'll do is they'll have you to reset that system. And when you reset that system, it has a way of clearing out the old. Therefore, it can operate in the way. And God is bringing us into a place of divine reset. As a matter of fact, there's a divine reset that's taking place in this house this morning. God is about to roll away the reproach. He's about to reset some things in our lives. The enemy criticizes, condemns, and mocks. But God is about to remove the reproach of Egypt. The last thing that God is going to do in this season, he's about to rewrite your story. I wrote this book. I had my daughter to edit this. But this book had to go through several rewrites. And the purpose of the rewrite was so that the message could be delivered much more clear. And so that the book would have a flow. God's about to rewrite some stories so that the message can shine forth in a greater way. And there's a greater flow in your life. Some of you told you that there's no hope for you. I've come to tell you God's about to rewrite your story. Psalms 139, 16. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Isaiah 5, 19 from the Passion Translation. Let the prophetic plan of the Holy One of Israel quickly come to pass so we can see what it is. Some of you are going to experience a rewrite this year. Some people may have written you off. The enemy may have written you off, but God's about to rewrite your story. And what the enemy meant for your harm, God's going to turn it around for your good. I think the enemy, what the enemy meant for your destruction, may very well be the thing God uses for your promotion. And I just want to close with this scripture, Joshua 3, 4. We've not been this way before. Lift your hands all over this room and let's give him praise.